Tony Manzo is a freelance writer living in New York with his wife and two kids and, until COVID struck, wrote B2B copy for ad agencies. His latest full-length play was selected for presentation at the IATI Theater for the Cimientos Festival of New Plays. COVID-19 put an end to that. His one-act play was staged at the William Inge Festival of New Plays in 2019. His work has been produced in New York City, Minnesota, Hawaii, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Michigan, and a few other states, but none in the Deep South. He does not wonder why. For this reading of The Border, the role of Jack is played by Larry Wrinkle. The role of Anna is played by Julie Stackhouse, with opening intros and descriptions read by Regina Yeager. Jack is 35 and Anna, a prosperous, well-educated couple. Equal strength, she is Asian, he is Caucasian. Though it's revealed both are first-generation Americans, neither speaks with an accent. The time is now. We're in the living room of an apartment in Manhattan, overhearing the end of a conversation Anna is having on her phone. I hope you brought your winter coat. We're a long way from Florida. Good. <laughs> on the left. Yeah, apartment 12B. Yeah, the, the doorman is with the apartment. Your son just walked in. Right. All right. See you soon. Where is he? In a cab on the east side. We'll be here in a few minutes. How was his flight? <laughs> Uneventful. Miami to New York in under four hours. Wait. You said they. Who did he bring? Uh, his lady friend, uh, Mariella. For the first time in a long time, your father sounded happy. I think they're serious. Oh, God. <laughs> Where's she from? Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador. It's different country every time I ask him. Pick one, he says. They're like pastries. I think it's cute that he doesn't care. I care. My father's a widower with money. He has all his marbles and he drives at night. The guy's a hot commodity. People take advantage. Who? I don't know. People. I have an obligation to protect him. From criminal immigrants? I didn't say that. <laughs> you meant it. I meant no more than I said. You're inventing her as an enemy. I'm being realistic. People come here desperate from violent countries. Desperate people do desperate things. Like marrying your father. What else but financial security could he possibly give her? Love? It happens, remember? Even between people from different parts of the world, you moron, where am I from? Riverdale. Jack, stop. We're not discussing you. If President Johnson hadn't opened the door in 65 with an immigration bill, I'd still be in Gansu province, China, with my parents. And you'd be wandering a ghetto in Calabria. It was worse than a ghetto. They'd have to tear it down to build a ghetto. So let's slam the door behind us. Is that what you want? I want what's best for my country. And diversity isn't? It depends. It's a matter of degree. How many people, from where, what do they want? They want freedom. They want a future. This is news to you? Yeah, I thought suffering made immigrants like us unselfish. It should make us cautious. And you're missing the point. Countries are an abstraction. That is the point. They exist by consent of other abstractions. They're not people. There are two countries in, in me, but only one person. America doesn't discriminate any. We merely exclude certain Types of people. 
You contradicted yourself twice in one sentence. No, I spoke the truth. Some truths just don't sound truthful. Because they're not. If you're determined to be disagreeable, let's drop it. No. What if her name wasn't Mariella? What if it was, say, Elsa Johansson? From Central America? From Sweden. And she's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Anglo-Saxon miracle of decorative genetics. You'd feel better about her, wouldn't you? I know where you're going with this. I am not a racist. <laughs> you're doing a hell of a job sounding like one. I haven't even met the woman. If she wants to marry my father and plop her ass in a big fat tub of butter for the rest of my life, who am I to question her motives? Why are you looking at me like that? I'm thinking. Think louder. You move one step to the right with every dollar you made. That's the only explanation here. You, you weren't like this when we were living in the fifth floor walk up and had nothing. You certainly weren't born like this. No one is born patriotic. It's a decision one makes, an act of respect. Patriotism that excludes people is just flat out snobbery. Internationalism is patriotism. Annie, in Calabria, we had a bicycle and cat. And I'm not sure how we got the bicycle. I own this country. It's my home. A man protects his home. You're a big hearted person. You don't see what's going on out there. The threat is real. The problem exists. We haven't had open immigration since 1910 for good reason. There are people in this world who simply cannot become us. Do you understand? People who will only take, who have no desire to give, who have nothing to give, and who each day they come here in droves. These people coming in droves who take without giving, name three. Uh, personally, I, I haven't met anyone. Okay, so it's a theory. Call it what you will. Do you get this theory directly from Sean Hannity or one of his evil little elves or something? Enough. I'm getting nowhere. It's time to plate the hors d'oeuvres. Time for you to stop watching freaking Fox News. You've become so narrow-minded, intolerant, and pig-headed. I bet if you ran for office, you'd win. I might just do that. While you, with all your grievances and superiority, do nothing. I vote. Vote. The last two Republican presidents lost the popular vote. More people live in Manhattan than Alaska. They have two senators. We have none. This is not a representative government. You want to change our immigration policy? Do something. Like what? Run for office. I don't know anything about governing. They do? We've had our wrestler in Congress, a potty builder, a crummy actor, more drunks, pervs, and thieves than you can shake a stick out. Why not you? I can't keep my temper at PTA meetings. You want me in politics? I will strangle somebody. So the best and brightest watch from the rafters and the lowest rule. The problem out there is only getting worse, Annie. So don't come crying to me when it blows up the country. You think you see what's going on out there. You do not. You, you don't see because you can't feel. And, and you can't feel because of connection inside of you broke. The problem is not out there, pal. The problem is in here, in your heart. Nothing wrong with my heart. Apparently not. It's hard as a rock. Yeah. Do you love me? Do I love you? You are me. 
that a question or a song cue? I'd like an answer. Yes. You know, despite me being Asian because of it? Are you going nuts? Maybe you had a thing for women of the exotic orient, or what do I know? I, I never asked. Where you were born has absolutely nothing to do with our relationship. Because? Because, because we love each other. That's why we met. We, we fell in love. That's a, that's a separate issue. I could have been from anywhere, right? Any country. Absolutely. Even one in Central America. Nice try. I'll take that as a yes. And there goes your argument. Talking past each other, Annie, love is inexplicable, mysterious, does not apply to law, immigration policy, doesn't apply to countries. I defined you to even find the word in our constitution and for good reason. Our founding fathers were not working out abstract definitions of love. They were in a hostile world with a young republic facing extinction. Listen, I'm a nationalist. My nation comes first, a very simple concept. And if you allow me a minute, I'll make my case. Don't have to. The, the military cemeteries in Europe are monuments to it. Nationalism is great for making corpses and not much else. Again, you're missing my point. Would you want our kids caught in this immigration nightmare? Of course not. Oh, they are. Their friends are, are from all over the map. Half of them are here on visas, if they have one at all. It's the doorman. They're in the elevator. Relax, okay? Just relax. I'm relaxed. Good. Now, you listen to me. The Lazarus poem on the base of the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, the wretched refuse, your teeming shore. You know it? I know it well. With an advertising slogan like that, we can't expect to attract the only members of Presbyterian Yacht Clubs. Agreed? I'm listening. Our democracy is a recklessly romantic idea. A crazy idea. Yeah, it, it shouldn't work, but it does. Brilliantly, badly with numbing alteration. You know, somehow the pieces fit. They came together like we did. A kid from China, a kid from Calabria, and we made a great country. Once it was, not so long ago. Oh, I'm not so sure. Just say yes, it's easier. Okay, a great country, I'll, I'll give you that. But what do I do when my father marches in with his Mariella, this unknown from who knows where? Connect with her. Treat her with dignity, with honor and respect. You are this country. Just open the door. Blackout. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, I'm glad you did a great job. Both of you did a great job. Thanks very, very much. I mean, very, very clearly written. The characters were very clearly written. That was a, that was a really fun read. Oh, and I love dating an older man. So, you know, <laughs> Larry, I'm talking yeah. to you. Sorry? <laughs> I said I was talking to you. <laughs> I think Larry, oh, whatever is that? <laughs> Larry, Larry bats for a different team though. So. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Not just he that. makes it even more fun. <laughs> so uh, welcome Jason, by the way. Hi Jason. Hi, Jason. 
So yeah, any other thoughts on on the border? Isaac, what's so great about this piece, if I can say real quick, is it gets right to the point. You know, there's there's no there's no that slowly start talking about this, that slowly have this discussion. It's start it right now, end the discussion when it's over. That's it. Well, that's kind of the nature of of the the micro short or the one X, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was it was a lot of fun to do. Um, my uh, my wife in this was uh, Jane is some kind of Asian. Um, I recall her. I remember. Yeah, and it actually it played into the script because mm. um, she was you know in some ways had a right to be defensive and like you know what's your problem, Mister White yeah. Man? Yeah, right. Exactly. But I really enjoyed it because it got right to the point. There's no, there's no dilly-dallying around. You're just thrown right into it. My question is, is um, the male character just too much of a sitting duck? Um, is he, is he, is he just too much? You know, the um, uh, the the bigoted right winger. Um, is it an equal opposition? What do you folks think? I, I, I agree with you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He, he's not. It was very difficult for me to make that character sympathetic because he's on the very, very extreme end of, of how I, what I think is the correct way to approach this circumstance. So um, I could have done a better job, but I, I didn't. The dialogue could have been more nuanced. It could have been more of a production than an argument. But um, when I saw kids in cages and saw how disgracefully our country acted towards people who come here seeking a future, I tried, I tried but I, I, I couldn't maintain that, that oblique style of dialogue that, that's really satisfying in, in drama. Can I just want to say really just, um, <clears throat> I enjoyed listening to it. And just every time I hear a play, you know, that's about the race relations, it is all so fresh to me it you have characters saying things that you've never heard i've never heard before in other plays and it just reinforces just how fresh and how needful it is you know to have plays like this discussing this issue race or immigration and it's just it is just all new you know it is all fresh and new dialogue uh it's quite amazing it's quite an amazing example just so crystal clear just it's just raw territory, you know, that just had to be unpacked. Though, in a sense, Jack is caught up in his own contradiction. I mean, he's he's on the one hand, um, you know, very um, uh, bigoted against right. the idea of his father marrying some kind of Latinx. On the other hand, he's um, very much involved with this uh, Asian woman, so he's almost. Um, belying his own uh, racism. and um, I think that makes it more, him more dynamic as well. I mean, or, or at least like the, him from an audience point of view, especially because it's, I mean, essentially he's, he's just being a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, he's, he's relying on, on his, you know, his morals or how, however he thinks of, of race and what should be and what shouldn't be, but he's essentially living what he's saying is, shouldn't be acceptable, which I think is interesting. So I think he did a really good job of, of getting that across. That's it about race and immigration. Um, 
Um, it's proximity. If you live with someone who's a different race, you accept them totally. If you fall in love with someone who's a different race, you do. If you move next to someone who's of a different race, the same thing happens. But if they're remote, if they're a brown menace at the border, if, if they don't have a name or a face or a personality, it's very easy to hate them. For That's what I was going to say when he said that, um, but I, when she says, but I'm Asian, he says, but I love you. So it's interesting that you, you know, that was something that stood out to me that, you know, that the, the blindness to race when you're, when you love someone. So it kind of translates to what his father's experiencing and, and, you know, blind to race as well, because he loves the person. Yeah. It's like an excuse. It's, it's like, a, it's like a way out. It is an excuse in some ways. It's not maybe even recognizing the race entirely. It's justifying his behavior with this, but I love you. I, I, I just murdered somebody, but I still love you. <laughs> That's another yeah, I, just, I wanted to just uh, try to get some clarity from Stephen. Like when you're saying that, uh, that these race discussions in theater are fresh and new, you mean, do you mean timely as opposed to never having been covered, right? I don't, there were some lines, uh, um, I would say like never having been covered. I, I, I feel like I listened to characters talking in ways that, talking about themselves in ways that were new because it's, a, it's about race. Um, I, there was some line about, you know, did you consider me an exotic, you know, Asian? And that was just like opening up a whole package there that I'm sure there were plays about that, but it just seems like it's very necessary to talk about all these contradictions. And it does feel, it does feel new, uh, not really talk extensibly, but that so could you, just be me. Do you think that maybe we've just kind of opened all the doors and windows to these discussions more so now than we have in the past? I think so. Uh, I'm certainly more exposed to it. You're doing these readings. This is the second time I've done this, so third time, and you know, I keep seeing these these great plays about this very necessary territory that we have to put into words mm -hmm. which is one of the jobs of theater yeah yeah it is just yeah very fresh it's all this feels very fresh and new for me and risky and, and but necessary so necessary <laughs>